The swirl of smoke from candles burning, while Mary looked up yearning. I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt. Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, November 21st. It's the uh, weekend before Thanksgiving. I'm Larry Rhodes, or Doubter Five. And as usual, we have our co-host on the line. Hello, Wombat. Gobble, 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 gobble. Hey, our guests today are uh, George Brown, the second and a half, uh, Dread Pirate Higgs. Hello. And all the way from England, the John Richard. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you think you're the only non-believer in town, you're just not. In Knoxville, we have a group of over a thousand of us. And we'll tell you more about that after the mid-show break. Wombat, where do we go to want to go with our topic today? We're going to be talking about birthrights. And who else will lead us better in that than John Richards? Yeah. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the topic, we're going to throw it up to our own Dread Pirate Higgs for our weekly invocation. Our noodly lord who art in a colander, I'll don't be thy noodles. Thy blood be rum, thy sauce be yum with meat as it is with vegetables. Give us this day our daily garlic bread and forgive us our cussing as we put up with those who cuss against us <laughs> and lead us not into ketoism, but deliver us some carbs for thine are the noodles and the sauces and the grog whenever and ever. Ramen. Ramen. You know, there's few foods <laughs> in my head that hit all the food, the, the pyramid of food groups. You got your grains, you got your carbs, right? With the grains, you got the tomatoes, which are your fruits. You got the veggies, which go into spice the sauce. You got the water, you got the sweet, you got the savory, you got the sour. It's all there in one pot. We should have seen it from the beginning. And the clearly meat, yes. the meat, the protein and the meatballs. Oh, the protein and the meat. It's, it's all there. <laughs> it's the glorious is like, oh, it must have been by design. Has to <laughs> Indeed. Been by design. Indeed. Guys, I want to do a quick little catch up. How you guys been since last week? We'll throw up Dread. How, what have you been up to? Why has your projects and chaos been going? Well, um, I don't know if you've heard. I know uh, John Richards, uh, and thank you for your concern. Um, I've been watching what's going on in British Columbia. But we had a atmospheric river, which uh, led to some substantial torrential rains, which has washed out most or some sections, important sections of our uh, roadway infrastructure. Um, There is no way for me to get down to the coast to work. Um, Kind of buggered uh, unless I can be considered an essential service. And security in some of these communities is certainly going to be that way. So... I may get some work um, pretty quick, but, uh, um, you know, uh, people are in absolute panic mode. Uh, You know, grocery stores like in Grand Forks, where we get our food actually from Alberta, um, they're picked clean because people are are panicked. Um, Wow. You know, because the, the, the roads to the coast are cut off. 
but our food supply isn't because it's coming from the other direction. Got it. And nevertheless, mm-hmm. people have just got it in their heads that they've got to stock up on bananas and and uh, you know, walking through the grocery stores, it's 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 really surprising to see what sort of items are actually the ones that are gone, you know, like bananas. Yeah. There's lots of oranges and apples and plums and pears <laughs> and all that kind of stuff around, but the bananas are gone. Mm-hmm. I think people have gone bananas. It's when people go bananas, <laughs> they have to go and get bananas. Well, we, we are apes. There's some validity so, there. Yeah. So, so it's been a bit rough. Um, and there is still, of course, no real word on uh, how long it's going to take uh, to reestablish those lines of uh, transport in some meaningful and substantial way. So if I recall correctly, we're about one year away from the first COVID uh, rush on grocery stores. Is that accurate? Was it around last this time last year that people were starting to like rush out and get the toilet paper? Like, wasn't that that crazy face? You know, this is worse. Oh, man. For real. This is worse. This is wow. Wow, wow, wow. And, uh, you know, down on the coast there, it uh, was verified that uh, the first tornado seen in 50 years <clears throat> touched down uh, on the West Coast. Um, so we're in, and we have another atmospheric river coming here next and that's week. Con- and that's the complex, the dramatic heat wave that you just had this summer as well, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really starting to manifest here in BC significantly. So, yeah. Yeah. I've always said we have, you know, like, obviously, you have a climate problem, obviously, but I also think that it's a overpopulation problem, too. Like, there's a lot of people just doing a little bit of that thermostat click up a little bit too many styrofoam cups in the ocean. Just enough. You get a couple more billions of them. It's going to add up. We're going to have an effect. Agenda we have, 21. We got to figure that out. Yeah. Agenda 21. Who knows? Uh, we're going to throw it up to our own Larry Rhodes. How you been, my friend? doing well um just keeping on keeping on i'm not riding anymore of course the weather is is kind of put kibosh on that sure. uh, i am working full-time uh Ooh. i haven't done that in gosh a year and a half so you're waking uh, up in the morning and and, and going just to work uh, well going to my in? desk okay 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 <laughs> yeah, i work at home and it's it's a data analyst job uh, helping uh, financial institutions meet their federal compliance issues so it's interesting work okay Cool. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, pirate. <laughs> like, like <red. laughs> there's, there's, there's a truth to the idea of running a business and knowing your numbers and being a pirate. You have to have yeah. a money guy. You have to have a money guy. You can't just be people in a boat like that right. costs money guys. Costs we'll keep money. it. We'll keep a spot for, uh, for you on the ship. Yeah. 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 If you ever take over another ship and one guy's like, Hey, I'm a, I'm an accountant. It's like, keep that guy. Keep this yep. guy. We, yeah. we need we need accountants. Uh, George Brown, second and a half. How you been? Well, uh, I'm I'm dealing with some health issues right now, and uh, fighting having f- fighting with my insurance company. Uh, so uh, I'll let you know next week. Okay. How it okay. all came out, <clears throat> but uh, I mean how the fight came out, but. Um, I, the the issue is right this moment the particular issue is whether i'm covered for transportation or not mm. so um whether i'm covered just depends upon which agent i speak with at united healthcare in the philippines right. 
And then it differs every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Every everybody I talk with is either in the Philippines or in Colombia, and sometimes they're here in the United States. Hmm. But well, I don't. I, I don't. I never know who I'm going to get on the phone. Not to get on a short little soapbox here, but it's not that American healthcare is terrible. It's that we don't want to make it better, or like there's a vested effort on a political level to keep it the way it was because that costs the least amount of money. And it's, that's the attitude that keeps everything so archaic and, and terrible and like privatized. And it really sucks. I've got, I wanted to get some cholesterol pills. I, I got another physical coming up and I, and um, doctor gave me a prescription, went to the place and it was like 200 bucks. I'm just like, what? I'm insured. I got I had a really good job. Why is like a small thing of pills, like over 200 bucks found out there's an app that I can get that like reduces the cost of it down to like 15 bucks. But I'm like, why is this the reality that we're living in where we need to get coupons and apps and, and like talk to people to get the codes? Um, well, I'm just I wanna, so upset wanna, about it. True. May I interject on that? Yeah, go um, for it. The difference is so stark from when I was a child. When I was a child, if a prescription cost more than 35 cents, my mother had a fit. Wow. Well, hey, George, I mean, weren't the barbers still uh, taking out teeth and acting as uh, doctors? And loving them. The thing to go to for pain. Yeah. <laughs> my only my my old my old Sicilian barber. He was an old man at the time. He still had clients that he went to. He he mm. got it on the subway and go halfway across Brooklyn and do some cupping. Yeah, no, thank right. you. Right. I've seen those bruises. He, Even he in the never, laboratory, I see never, him. Yeah, he never talked to me about uh, leeches, you know. Yeah, same <laughs> but thing. Still talking. Yeah, we have. We, so, go for it. Go for it, John. We we could derail the whole show topic by starting on this area. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, trust said, me, we are slowly transitioning to you. <laughs> We're getting there. You said we you keep your existing system because it's the cheapest, and you saw me shaking my head. It's not. No, the cheapest. it's not the cheapest. We pay no. for it in other ways. Change exactly. costs money. That's 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 the philosophy. But yeah, yeah but the, the cheapest form of health delivery mm-hmm. is a welfare state because the, the power of buying for the whole population crushes down the cost. And the other thing is the welfare state doesn't have an interest in making a profit. There's nothing for it to spend it on. But when you buy private health insurance, they want to become rich. Um, I hear you. Sure, but the middleman, they're going to want their money. Yeah. Of course. Changes cost money. If I would like, if it was easy as being like, Hey guys, here's the balance sheet. Less money, more money. Welfare state. Let's go for it. If it was that easy and people saw it, that'd be good. But like change is an investment that is insurmountable to a, to an extent, at least in a privatized, semi-democratic institution that we're in right now. It's a cultural change. That's the problem you have. Oh, culturally, I want this so bad. But yeah, it's a, it, it's, I wish it was one word to explain it. <laughs> Come down to Tennessee. We'll, we'll walk it. We'll, we'll, we'll inundate you with our own pessimism. But what, one thing at a time, I would say this. 
Um, I have people in our laboratory who do have cupping bruises on them on a regular basis. And I found that to be really bizarre because I would expect these guys to be, you know, stalwarts of science and like not pseudoscience. Right. And yeah. they know engineering and they know science and yet they have these giant bruises and I ask them why. And they'll be like, oh, well, it's cultural. Right. Like I was, I'm like, sometimes they're from, you know, other places like in China or stuff like that. And they'll have these bruises and that's just how culturally they resolve it. And I asked them, does that actually make you feel better? Like what's the science behind it? And they're like, well, it's just the thing that I was doing since I was brought up that way. And I thought that is an interesting concept because even though they were born in a world where they have an appreciation for science and they move their way towards it, because of their culture, because of where they were born geographically, they have all these, you know, residual, you know, not particularly scientific beliefs on how to make themselves better. And I found like, w- how great would it be if they were able to just, you know, not have that? It seems like a zero sum right. game to, to stick with their birthright, to stick with their birthright of ah. not having to deal with tainted ideologies or questions of segues. Thank you for the segue, Dred. John Richards, what's up? Well, Dred's just given us a segue to the topic. You, so, you didn't see how hard I was working for that, and you're just going to get Dred I, I just, all the progress. I, yeah, I, I just took the opportunity to fill that in. You, you <laughs> We're going to go back to the hand-raising system, so that way I get all the credit for things. If that's how you're going to go about it. But go for you it, John. St- you stole his punchline, Dred. Yeah, I did, I did. Be- before, I, Shamelessly. Be- before I talk about the topic, I just want to say uh, I'm glad you're okay, Dred, because uh, you, you've you. been getting horrifying news about what's been going on in bc and mm-hmm. my my next week's guest on my free thought hour show is Ooh. in bc it's a lady called janice selby and who i must get in touch with to ascertain that she's okay mm. Mm. cool anyway birthright yeah well this this cropped up in my head because we've noticed that Religious people always want to get the next generation when they're young. You know, I mean, the, um, what are they? The, it's not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but uh, there's a, a group of Roman Catholics that said, give me a boy by the age of seven and I'll show you the man. Who was that? That was one of the, the, um, one of the sects of the Roman Catholic. Jesuits. Yeah, the Jesuits, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. So there, there is this impetus to, to get hold of people when they're very young. And I wondered, what's going on there? Because <laughs> it's not just Christianity. You know, it's, it's Islam and it's um, uh, pretty much any religion you think of, Mormonism. They all want to get their children when they're young and start indoctrinating them mm-hmm. or inducting them, whichever, yeah. I don't know, which you prefer. Inducting sounds a bit less uh, hurtful, but it's the youth that's important. And here in the UK, our new, uh, uh, well, he's not new, our Archbishop of Canterbury and his new Bishop of York have got this strategy they've devised to try and get through our schools because they're they're losing their congregations, all old people who are dying, and they need to... In, they need to invigorate the youth to evangelize to get more members of the Church of England, 
which has never been an evangelizing church previously, it didn't need to be because it already had all the positions of privilege. It, you know, it conducted the coronations, it ran schools, it's got bishops in the government. So there was no, there was no need for them to be very active. And of course, by not being very active, they didn't change. Modern churches came in, grabbed the youngsters, and now the old church is dying off. So they've got this initiative to try and infiltrate into our schools more heavily and, and into our colleges and to grab the young. So what's going on there? It occurred to me that it must be a bit like um, we start out with a, a clean sh sheet as far as religion is concerned. Well, the Thomas Hobbes approach, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, it, it reminded me of a, a, a song in one of the Gilbert and Sullivan comedy operas which it refers not to religion, but to, because that was very uh, improper to refer to when they were writing, but it refers to politics because they were very political commentary people. And they talk about, um, I can't remember the lyrics, maybe we should put it in the details underneath, but they talk about everybody being born either a little liberal or a little conservative. Every child that's born alive, there's some scansion and rhyme in there, you know. And uh, George is looking it up for us. And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not looking it up. I'm trying to see the text on the screen. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, there's obviously a need to grab people almost as soon as they're born. So I made this video. And it, it goes on the presumption that we're born atheists. Why is that a presumption? If you don't mind me asking, like, isn't that the default? Isn't that the true default? Like if atheism is just a lack of belief in a God, like, yeah. isn't it absolutely true that every single person is born that way? Larry, what so. do you think? Well, I think that how can you believe in a God if you don't have a concept of what a God might be? So you don't believe in it. No. Yeah. It's, it's a lack like, of a belief. It's just like, it's a lack of belief. Atheists, right. Exactly. And that's the key point. When I, when I talk to a lot of people who like, well, I'm not an atheist. I just don't believe in God. It's like, that's what an atheist is guy. <laughs> Let's talk about it. But John, yeah, sorry for interrupting it. you. You got it. Well, mm -hmm. no, that was, that was all good interruption. So I think this is maybe an opportunity to show the little video. Is that, is that possible? Sure. Go on ahead. When we are born, we don't even have language. So we can't possibly have a religion. <laughs> Babies with a faith is like claiming that kittens are born Christian. All religions have to be taught by means of words, and it's a case of who gets to us first. This is why religions spread out from the center like bacterial colonies. They do that by marketing seductive stories that claim to answer all the mysteries that worry us. In return for this alleged peace of mind, they expect payment and submission. There's always been some doubters, but in their desire to control everyone, theists have victimized and even killed opponents. Still today, it may not be safe to come out as an atheist in the parts of the world where a religion holds power, because believers have painted us as worse than criminals. Let's normalize atheism. It's our birthright. 
that was just such a great little video. I love it. I love it. That's a trailer. Your volume yourself is high. Okay, so I'm going to reduce my volume. Okay. All right, how's this? Is this good? Still talking, talking. Still strong. Reducing it. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, yeah, I see myself way high. Okay. Talking, talking. How's this? There you go. That's better. better. Dread, go for it. I was just going to say that the one term uh, uh, that John used was uh, spreading like bacterial colonies. And I, and I thought a better word than colonies would be cultures spreading like bacterial <laughs> cultures, right? Yeah. Because culture. it is a culture, you yeah. know, and it different ties those definition of the word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good video. Thank you. I thought you were going to have umbrage with the bacteria concept. It's like, yeah, we can, we can compare the religious people <laughs> to bacteria, but we got to make sure the scientific nomenclature is accurate. If anything, it's just like, uh-huh. that's funny though. Um, I thought it was a powerful video. I think it does hit on the, on the, on the key point that I I've always been saying is that we are born atheists. And if, if I'm not given that in a conversation with a religious person, then there's a misunderstanding on what they think an atheist is of which I am happy to explain to them. But once we understand on a, we're in agreement that you're born atheist, then everything else, you know, stacks up towards then why do you believe in a thing you can't prove scientifically, can't demonstrate, can't reliably test? Why? Because the default position is not believing that, right? And, and, and that doesn't mean that you're against it. It just means that you, don't, you lack a belief in it because you're waiting to be convinced of an argument. Larry, what's up? Well, there was another point he made it toward the end of the video was let's normalize atheism. Yeah. And we've got to do that. And the way to do it is for atheists to come out of the atheist closet. Yeah. Now, there are good ways and bad ways to do that, and you should do some <laughs> internet searches to find out the best way. Don't make it a big announcement, but just work it into the conversation if it comes up. Sure. But still, we need to come out and yeah. um, represent. Yeah, and don't be ashamed of it either, because if you treat it like a thing that you're ashamed of about, Very proud that's, of it. that just leads more weight to it. Just be like, just casually say it if someone's mm-hmm. like, hey, I... If someone says everyone says bless you. It's like yeah, I'm an atheist, and even I say bless you. It's not a big deal. And mm-hmm. either you don't have to be the topic of the conversation. The sentence it's just you let people know you moved on to the next mm-hmm. thing. And next time someone says atheists are bad, it's like no, Tyrone's one. He just said he was that right. lunch yesterday. Mm-hmm. We know I know him. you're lying to me. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Also, that's, that's right. maybe that's the other thing. You got to be a good guy. <laughs> if you're a jerk, <laughs> if you're a jerk, uh-huh. don't come out as an atheist. <laughs> Let don't give us a bad assuming, name. Yeah, keep let, keep letting people assume you're religious. Uh, I'll throw that out. <laughs> Though George Brown, you have an uh, interesting thing because you're an organic atheist and you've never felt. I don't know if you felt the need to come out. What was your uh, not or let people know that you're an atheist? What's your situation on that? Well, it depends where I am. You know, mm. who is around me? Are they capable of tolerating an atheist? Sure. You know, it's at that point because I live out in the boonies. Right. Almost the almost the boonies. Let me say the semi boonies of Tennessee. Okay. Okay. It's an urban spot. Because like, hopefully there's an age where you can feel like, ah, this is where I'm at. Deal with it. Like, I feel mm. like you're, you're, well, I'm there. Yeah. (laughs) But I've been there there. for 50 years. I'm there. (laughs) 20, 20 years. Last week, I, I get. I told this little story about bumping into a man in the supermarket. If you'd like, I'll tell it again. Um, you want me to? Is it the one where you get upset at him? No, no. 
I don't think so. Okay, um, go ahead. I was okay. I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell it again. Um, I was walking in the supermarket. Now, uh, we have a vaccination rate of thirty-four percent in my county, and we're losing people at a rate of about one every two days. I'm talking about dead bodies here to COVID. And people are still refusing to wear masks and they're still refusing to get vaccinated. So for me, I want the freedom to be able to go shopping in a store and get my food without having to play viral Russian roulette when I go oh. shopping. Right. And I think the old people in general get it because almost all the old people I ever see are wearing masks. Mm. They're accepting it as this is how this is what we do. Yeah. Um, generations below that, it's a pig and a poke. So in the in the store. So I was. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I was walking around the expensive supermarket, uh, appreciating the people who were wearing masks and feeling good about them, when an old man came walking toward me who was not wearing a mask. But I was still feeling pretty good about people. So I smiled at him and he he stopped and we looked at each other and he said, he said, where do you go to church? And I said, I don't go to I don't do that. He said, I said, I don't go to church. He said, well, you should. I said, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> he said, why? Why not? I said, because I don't believe in God. Well, that was the end of the conversation. I he imagine. Continued pushing his car. Yeah. But hey, I was surprised at myself. The, the up. words just flew up. Good. What's Good. And, you know, the, as... the words just flew out of my mouth without any censorship. But, it's but the with first no time anger. I've done that here. Yeah. And it was Good just job. part of the yeah. conversation. Just part of the conversation. You it's didn't walk like, hey, up I'm... to him and say, I'm an atheist. You know, right, you right. Push it in his face, he like, like he hey, did I'm yours. Wearing... <laughs> just like, hey, I'm wearing a red shirt. You should wear a blue shirt. I'm all about blue. Shirt. I yeah. wear red shirts. See ya. That's it. It's as simple as that. I think it's important yeah. to let, as Larry said, people know that you're an atheist. Right. But I mean, I, I could get a, a posse coming over to my house with guns here. No, you're fine, John Richards. What's up? What's up? Well, the culture in the USA is very different from here. And you tend to be taught religion, Christianity. The Baptist Christian religion is the most common one, I believe. Mm. At the same time as you're taught language. Mm. So as you grow up, you look back at yourself developing. And it seems to be endemic, as much a, a part of you as being able to speak. Sure. I'm not so, aware of how it is in England. Isn't it that way in England or is it completely different? Well, it depends where you are in okay. England. We're, we're very much a multicultural country now, but in yes. what you might call the indigenous population, religion has pretty much died out. Very few English people maybe more Welsh, maybe more Scottish, but very few English people are regular churchgoers. And when I was brought up, I wasn't taken to church. None of my uncles or aunts or anybody in my family spoke a word about church. We only went when there was a wedding. 
and we went for the party. Okay. You know? But the, so the, the thing is, in America, you're raised in a religion. So you mm. think that's the normal condition, many of you, and therefore you have to escape from it. Right. So, so being an atheist in America means a different thing. It means somebody who used to be religious, not somebody who was just born. Sure. Yeah, we're, uh, and that's why it's so hard to get rid of it uh, in our own psyche. We're taught it with our language. Uh, there's even after we lose uh, the religion part of it, it still stays part of our psyche for a long time. And that's we why have there to- there are groups called uh, what. Freedom from religion. Freedom. Uh, not only that, but believing religion. And Atheist or, Society in Knoxville. They'll right, all help right. you break out of your religious beliefs. Right. And speaking of breaks, we Larry. need to take one. That's right. Nice. This is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. We're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we'll be right back after this short break.
second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter 5, and we're on Wozo, W-O-Z-O Radio, 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Let's take a moment to talk about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002. We're in our 19th year. ASK has over 1,000 members and have weekly in-person meetings in Knoxville's Old City at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria every Tuesday evening around 5.30, and we go to about 8 o'clock. Look for us out on the patio. If you'd like to join our Tuesday evening Zoom meeting, like if you don't live in Knoxville or just don't like going out, uh, you can email us at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheists.org or letschatse at gmail.com. You can also find Digital Free Thought on Facebook, Meetup, or at knoxvilleatheist.org. Or you can just Google Knoxville Atheists to find the group. It's just that simple. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start Start one. That's right. Wombat, where do we want to pick up? So we actually got some listener feedback on a previous cool. episode. I'm going to throw this one out to DTR Data's Trading Room, who asked on the episode of why is there underwear if the universe is finely tuned? He says, well, didn't God create underwear? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so he, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a wink and a nod in there, but we appreciate those comments. Thank you very much. Also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about bubbles, because it seems like we're talking about being born in a religious bubble and the information bubble. bubble. Right. There's also information bubbles, Larry. We can get into all those cultural bubbles. Absolutely. There's even bigotry bubbles that you can just be born into and not even realize, why do I dislike this? I didn't even know I was disliking it. I'm just basically explaining or parroting what's been as part of my nurturing process. And I've never really given an opportunity to critically think about any of these things that I purport or explain or believe in. And that tends to be the case with everything that we're in. So don't think that you're outside of all the bubbles looking objectively at reality. We are subject to them. What's important is that we know where they are and if they're harmful, because why be needlessly harmful, right? And you, maybe we, that's a chance to step out. So for me, I know I'm in a, uh, a food bubble, for example. Uh, when I was being raised, we didn't have like uh, uh, grocery stores in, in our neighborhood, like how there were in other neighborhoods. And so like the closest place we can get food was like at, you know, 
gas stations or like uh, very, very small markets where they didn't necessarily have the best foods or the healthiest options for people who were growing up. So we had a lot of sodas, like high carb uh, packets of ramen and stuff like that, salty foods, chips, stuff like that. And as kids, you can burn through that. But if you're an adult and you're in that little bubble, you don't have opportunities to, to find places where you can get food because you don't realize that that's an option for you. You're in a bubble, right? Mm-hmm. In this exact same sense where those people who live in those areas have like really high blood pressure or really bad health. And it's because they don't regularly have access to the places that are in other neighborhoods. You can be in a bubble in such a fashion. Larry was talking about an information bubble and you're the data analyst. You want to talk about that? Cause I think that's a good point. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're raised in a church and your entire family is in the church and the only place, the only people you ever see are in the church, then you never hear, well, at least when I was growing up, uh, opinions from outside that church. Right. So you don't know that they actually exist. Nowadays, most everybody can get to the internet and, uh, and find out other opinions about all of these religious beliefs. And that's one of the reasons that religion is in such a decline right now, but there are also other kinds of information bubbles, not just religion. Go ahead. And I think, I think that's also a reason why a lot of religions hate quick changes in technology and they tend to be almost Luddite in their approach towards new yes. connections and new approaches and stuff like that. Yeah, well, but I was saying is 2000 years old. <laughs> uh, dread. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, I was going to say also, um, you know, for instance, in my case, uh, it was the more, I studied religion that I realized that it, uh, it wasn't a viable uh, option for, you know, discerning reality. So sure. uh, it's keeping people ignorant, you know, I, I think in a large respect of even their own religions mm. that helps uh, maintain the, uh, the stupor. And what's more ignorant than like a child, which is why I feel like religion targets those, but John, mm-hmm. Richard. Well, exactly. <clears throat> Dread has hit the nail on the head. That's more of a no information bubble. We're not going <laughs> to permit you to be educated because right. then you will be out of our control. Right. Course, the, the worst religion for that is uh, fundamentalist Islam, which mm. the policy is not to teach girls right. anything. Right. And, and we all know that the way to get a good, democratic, equal society is to empower women. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Power everybody that makes up your democracy. Larry, you're on mute, my friend. There's also disinformation bubbles uh, when you're, you're raised <sighs> so in, uh, uh, what do you call them, theories? Republican uh, conventions. Oh, Fox basically. News theories. Sure, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disinformation theories. Tucker. Um, the cable yeah. news. Oh, it's not just that guy, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the whole channel. Yeah. But yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, I want to throw this out because that's in a in a less extreme sense. Say, hey, I'm listening to these guys. They're saying information bubble, but I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch any of the cable news. I'm out of it. It's like if you go to Google and you type in the word Apple and you hit search, you might get Apple the fruit if you're like a kid or if you're like you know a person that likes food. If they, Google's figured out through your use of cookies that you're a chef, they'll show you all a bunch of apples. But if you're like a young adult male who's like investing or something like that, or like a businesswoman, you're going to click an apple and they're going to show you the stocks. They're not going to show you a picture of an apple because Google will change what it thinks you want to see based on your search history. 
Mm-hmm. So when you go to do research, like when I hear a lot of people say, well, I do my own research on the internet. It's like, you have no idea how subject you are to the bias of your yeah. own past because the internet doesn't care about telling you true things. It cares about showing you things that it can make ads off of. So and you're just a subject of poor research practices as you are to advertisements yeah. and marketing. And you need yeah. to be aware of that as well. Yeah. John. All, the al- all the algorithms do is reinforce our biases. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to pick up on your use of the word Apple as an example, because if it had been searched for back in the 1960s, when, you know, before... Did the internet exist back then? What are you trying no, to do? You're no, pulling no, a paradox no, against each other. Yes, that, that's the point. You couldn't back then. But if you could, <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't have got Apple, the computer makers. You would have got Apple Core, which was the Beatles record company. Oh, and, interesting. Very cool. And... and, and Apple, the computer maker, Mm. had to fight the Beatles to get permission to use that name. There was a big case, and the Beatles got got a payout. because. So while we're on fun little tangents, I would say if I'm in the 1960s and I have the internet, (laughs) the first thing I want to say is, where's my time machine? That's what I'm going to be searching. (laughs) First thing. Uh, Dredd, it seemed like you wanted to weigh in. Did I catch you right? Um, No. Okay, cool. (laughs) So I'm saying... Hey, you could be in an information bubble that's pure and that is through the use of all the tools that you do have. And I feel like you should just be aware that even when you're on the internet and you're doing your own research, there's an agenda to not try to change your mind, to make you look at commercials and ads and be happy so that you keep going back to those websites to see those same commercials and ads. It's not about challenging yourself. And that's why the value in my head of a university experience, or at least of a, of a, of a distinct, this is how you do research. It's not fun. It's meant to be through a very systematic approach where you can be critiqued at every level. And even when you have a conclusion that can be critiqued by your peers, like that is a great way to know the best way, how to know things and maybe not the best conclusions, but you can at least have a conclusion that you can work with a lot of other people and optimize it towards a more objective truth. And that's very, very valuable. You don't get that on the internet. So user universities are important and religion. Last part of my soapbox, I feel like schools, I feel like the religious conservative point of view is that you don't need school. You shouldn't have to do that. The only need is one book and that's the Bible and that's it. But it's such a dismissive point because it's through school that you understand critical thought and that you are able to free yourself out of these dogmatic points of views and treat people with more care and understand that welfare states are actually really useful in a lot of senses and improve society overall. It has so many great repercussions. I'm sorry for that small tangent, George Brown, second and a half. You said you, you, I saw your hand up. Are you still moving? Nope, he's well, frozen. Got a couple, there he is. Of, couple of observations. <clears throat> Excuse me, a couple of observations, reflections about bubbles. Okay. Um, for a long time, I realized that living uh, very close to Berkeley in California was giving me a perspective that was false. Mm. The, the whole United States is not like Berkeley, you know. Yep. But from that, from where I was located, it seemed that way. Right. So that's that's observation number one. Number two is that um, I'm, of course, living out in in the country now, and um, it's very much of a monoculture. There are other kinds of people where I live, there are some Muslims, there are uh, the the horse and buggy Mennonites, 
there's a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, let me think, uh, there's some Jewish food in two of the supermarkets here. And that's puzzling me because the only, the only synagogue Jewish person you know here are is you. It's not a Jewish yeah, aisle at the supermarket. Fo- it's a it's a George Brown aisle at the supermarket. They make it just for you so you can get George back. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the Jews around here are fake Jews. They're evangelicals <laughs> pretending to be Jews. You know, the, the name of their church is Yeshua. My God. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah know. that's kind of crazy. So, however, what I, what I want to mention is, you know, thinking about the cities, the urban areas, they thrive in my mind in diversity. And because of their diversity, I think people tend to be more open, right. more inquisitive. And um, so people are rubbing shoulders against each other every yeah. single right. day. Especially the college towns. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Yes. Like that's another value of it. Uh, Knoxville, absolutely. Which is not representative of all of Tennessee. Which is also going to what George says. Like, if you're raised in Knoxville, you think, "Oh, Tennessee is amazing. We got got pride parades. They got uh, educated people running back. Atheist groups, scholars visited, atheist groups. <laughs> Everything's great here." And then you go 20 minutes out of Knoxville, you're like, "Oh, jeez, I'm going to turn right back here." There's like yeah, tumbleweeds, yeah. Yeah. flag bumper stickers on them. That's crazy. Okay, getting mm-hmm. out. John Richards, what's up? <laughs> so, so travel is good for you, basically. Yes. But, but here's a thought. Here's a thought. Why has Mennonite cuisine never caught on? Oh, is this a pun? I don't know. Tell me. Why hasn't it caught on? I don't know. What do, what do they eat? <laughs> I don't know. thought you were making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> that was my well, the punchline. Right my wife's a Mennonite, and it's caught on here. Really? No, really. Well, that's why well, I gained so much weight, because it's ah. really good stuff. Yeah. Tell us what is the what? cuisine? What is the cuisine? Well, it's... You know, it's it's Russian um, because that's yeah. where Mennonites come from. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, so there's a lot. Of, it's because they're, you know, really agricultural uh, and yeah. agricultural based culture. They would make uh, foods with lots of fats and carbs and stuff so that uh, you'd have a 4,500 calorie diet for breakfast yeah. um, mm-hmm. until your lunch where you get another 4,500. Yeah, they go out and work break. all day, work it <laughs> exactly. off. Yeah. And you work it yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, have to feel exactly. And they had big families, Dread, and, you know, so. You know, you don't have an accent. You don't have an accent, except for like when you're saying something like boots, when you mean hey. boat, right? But <laughs> when you say carbs, you go straight into the, the pirate mode. It's like, you, <laughs> like you've been carbs. saying carbs, carbs and then all the other stuff that's in foods. It's like, yo, there's something there. Larry, what's yes. up? And to answer your question about why they haven't caught on, well, to start a restaurant or a fast food place, you'd need technology and you couldn't advertise. That's technology. You know, they're just they're screwed from the beginning. That's right. Yeah, I, they just sell them from a black, uh, a black uh, Model T Ford. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the weirdest thing is, uh, if you're from a religious perspective, it, outside the religious perspective, it seems like it's a point of privilege of authority, point of privilege of authority, telling people not to get better so that they can stay on top. It seems to be a system that's in place to say, hey, everybody stay the same, but keep working so that me at the top get stuff. And right. I'm talking to yeah. God because mm-hmm. that's my job. My job is I sell false hope. 
Everybody else does actual work. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and I get 10% of everyone's paycheck. Yeah. My, it's the my, best system. My favorite saying these days is that's pretty handy for the preacher mm-hmm. because everything feeds back to the preacher, all the, the yeah. money, the goods, the favors, you know, everything in that power structure. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the scary thing is you actually have a position where you're in that pew, or if you're in that mega church and everyone's putting their hands out, like they were in John's Richards video. And it's like, you can't be the one person to be like, Hey, hold on a second. How much does he want? Cause that makes you stand out so much that you actually feel worried about like, Oh, all these people, they might turn against me. And yes. so I, I'm just going to go with the flow. And yeah. they have it's, in the past. Yep. Yeah. It's its own self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you yeah. said it, it is. it's, it's peer pressure. It's very dangerous. Oh. Religion is full of violence against the non-believer. It's full you're of right. violence. I'll go for it, John. You're, you're right. There's a big connection between not wanting change and being religious, religious mm-hmm. and conservative. Mm. go together right yeah uh, and and you know it just feels n- this isn't to dig on religion but it's like it's designed knowing very well all the perfect tendencies of the human psyche and taking advantage of them towards the interest of essentially profit and power for a very few people and whether that is you give me money or you give me your time or you tell me your secrets in closed mm. rooms and now i know that about you and I, i'm making you less likely to leave my situation or my my congregation and mm. and keeping that tie so when you have kids they're going to be my kids or at least mm. your minds will be and then their kids will be my kids mm. it's like when a cable guy comes to your house and gives you his little box he's like this is our box it's like okay and when i don't pay for cable anymore you'll come and take it back right no 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 you have to go to the store and drop it off at the store but you can only do it at the end of the year because you signed a year contract it's like this makes no sense don't give me that thing i'm just gonna use my things like you can't use anyone else's thing we're the cable company we might come today we might come next week who knows we're a monopoly <laughs> it's terrible they're losing power though oh it's, i hope so i hope so get rid of them yeah Dread. Uh, well i was just gonna say i mean when you were talking about um the leaders of of religions knowing full well that they're taking advantage of uh the human psyche i I think it's actually more responsive than that uh, because people have a tendency to want to identify specialists you know what i mean so you know you know people get good at things by practice and um and so we naturally sort of seek those people out that can do things better than we can. And that's not limited to plumbing and electrician and carpentry. It's also um, somebody that's well-versed in philosophy or or somebody that's uh, well-versed in religion. You know, we, we tend to gravitate towards people. We identify as being better at things than we are. Mm. And so I think it's a a responsive thing. It's not just people know, that they can take advantage of somebody's tendency towards religion. It's the other way around as well. I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not entirely religion's fault. There is a culpability that comes with, you need exactly. to know better. You need to yeah. know better. Like the again, this is, to educate yourself. And right? again, this is always, it always falls back to critical thinking and skepticism yeah. Yeah. because if you're not geared or if you're not, um, if you don't train yourself in those skills of skepticism, critical thinking, right. then you will be uh, tending to be more, a little more gullible or um, yeah. seeking outside of yourself for the answers as opposed to uh, reflecting. Going back to the idea of like 
religion putting itself in a position to make up uh, 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 everything that human psyche finds desirable. It's like whenever you see Jesus on a cross, at least in like the Catholic recently Protestant churches, he's always got like a perfectly cut six pack. That beard is like perfectly cropped, despite the fact that he spent like weeks in prison before he was put up. It's like perfectly shaved. It's really, really great. Right. Nice and flex. Good pecs. There's like good diameter. Like everything's like well lit. And I'm like, what if he if what if Jesus comes back and he's wearing glasses and he has a little booger on his T-shirt and he's like, you know, trying to like trying to get Wi-Fi access somewhere. It's just like, hey, guys, I'm Jesus. I'm coming back. Can you help? Can I get some access? Like that could be reality. And people wouldn't follow it because it doesn't fit the vision. It doesn't fit the the message. Right. Like, I feel like Chris Christian is solely done. Dread Pirate, what's up? Do you hear what I'm saying? Um, you yeah, feel yeah me on this? for sure. Okay. You, okay. You guys have heard of Bart Ehrman? No. Oh wow, he's he's a he's a great historian and Definitely. you know specializes on uh, on uh, um, Christianity, Early Christian writings. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I actually I paid uh, twenty bucks to sit in on a on a podcast. Uh, he he did uh, did Jesus uh, did Jesus think of himself as God? And uh, he went through, you know, the historical uh, documents like uh, the the testaments or the um, gospels, and you know, sort of dating them, and then discerning what were the common themes in them, and whether or not in any of the gospels Jesus is said to have thought of himself as God, and that uh, you know, like we we're talking about here, that religion. It, it's like a um, an evolution uh, that initially in the first Gospels that were written, he didn't call himself God. And even um, Paul in the Acts and Corinthians and all that kind of stuff, he never says Jesus thought of himself as God. And it's not until John, uh, the Gospel according to John, that um, it's really well defined that people wanted him to be said to have called himself God. So yeah. it's a, it's an evolution for sure. Yeah. But Ehrman is really good. He's, he's done a, there's a YouTube of him uh, deconstructing the gospels as mm-hmm. a reliable source of information. Yeah. 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 No, it's great but stuff. You said something a minute ago, Dred, about um, we, we like to think we know best and uh, that's a tendency but of course, if you take that to extreme, it becomes what's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, indeed. You're, you're too stupid to know you're stupid. Yes. Right. <laughs> I've actually and, had and a too smart to realize that you're smart. Yeah, I've actually had a professor tell me that once, and I was offended as I was. It was true, and it wasn't until I realized it was true that I got better at the chemistry that I was trying to understand. Like, you don't know enough to know why you don't know this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how offensive. But he was right, and I did the work, and now I have a better understanding. And now I realize how big of a world you know, chemistry is. Right. And and that when people are very confident, that could be a very dangerous thing because there's always probabilities in play. Yeah. There's another saying that, that runs in tandem with that is that the more I know, the more I realize I don't. how little I know. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 But it's a good oh. thing to know things. Good thing to know how to know things. That's my ending statement. Dread Pirate, where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at my channel, Mind Pirate, M I N D P Y R A T E. I do uh, live. I live stream this on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So come to my channel. 
I need uh, two more subscribers. You're one need... Reddit post away on uh-huh. on on, on, su- on some <laughs> yeah. subreddit just to get it. Just yeah. do no, it already. Well, I am. I'm. I'm. I have my green screen ordered, and I'm moving my. I'm going to actually have my studio downstairs, and I'm going to start producing some All additional right. content. So there was was the wife. Does the wife know that you have a green screen coming, or she's like, I thought you said you're ordering shoes. Our family needs <laughs> shoes. What's this thing? It's green. You can't even put. Movies it's a big on green it. shoe. <laughs> it's flat. it's a sale for a ship oh okay well that's yes, totally our... i we've made an agreement that pirate things are okay john richards where can we find your stuff at well on the subject of pirate things if i can sort of diverge a little bit there the reason that we think they speak with this aha stuff is oh that was great that was the first normal R I've ever heard you say. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. This, this all harks back to Robert Newton, who was a Cornish actor who played a pirate in the first film. Yeah. Oh, first okay. pirate film, yeah. yeah. Mm. And he, he used the accent that came from his area. And <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. they caught on. Yeah. Isn't that great? Cool. It was That's the wonderful. standard. <laughs> anyway, Wait, so I, I, there's a place that actually talks like that. Sorry for interrupting, but I yes, need to know. Yes, oh, yes there is. Okay, we need it's to talk the, about this after the show. But it's yeah. the West Country. Yeah. So I can be found on my usual haunt, Free Thought Productions, mm. which, which I, I have done a couple of shows that I'm really proud of yesterday. One is, of course, my regular Global Atheist mm. News. Wonderful and, show. Thank you. And the other one is Free Thought Hour. And I have a couple of Americans guesting with me, one from the East Coast and one from the West Coast. Cool. Really, they're really good uh, guests. Very cool. Wonderful. Yeah. George Brown, anything you'd recommend we try to get better at before next week? What's something that I should try to get better at before next week? Oh, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. What about memorying, remembering things? <laughs> we'll work on memory. How about I that? I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> anything. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Larry, mnemonics. Work on mnemonics. There you speaking of remembering things, I can't remember what atheism is all about. What can I do? <laughs> oh, I have a book for that. Hey, oh. all my transitions are on point today. <laughs> yeah, just want to yeah. say, you can cut in and oh, try to steal the credit to... if you want to, yeah. but I got every transition you online. You did. You <laughs> nailed it. Episode. Yeah. Episode, I'm taking yeah. that for me. Larry, what's up? Segway yeah, my, yes. my book is called Atheism, What's It All About? It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's also available on uh, in paperback or um, text just to download it on your iPhone. Anyway, you can find my YouTube channel by searching for Doubter Five or Larry Rhodes. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Remember, you can find this show on Apple, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Amazon, or podcasts everywhere. Just search for the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, my own content is on digitalfreethought.com. You can uh, Go there and be sure to click on the blog button for radio show archives, atheist songs, and many articles on the subject. If you have any questions for the show, uh, send them to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheists.org, or you can send them to letschatse at gmail.com, and we'll answer them on future shows. If you're having trouble leaving religious beliefs behind, you can get help at recoveringfromreligion.org. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Remember, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Enjoy your life. See you. Bye. Say bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.